This is Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast, bringing you the latest practices in the world of fiber networks and plus architecture. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Eckerd. Today, we're discussing some common challenges in the telecommunications industry revolving around managing physical network assets. Here with me today to provide insight into these issues and their potential solutions, we have Jerry Golden, co-founder and senior vice president, Jeff Davis, product manager, and Alex Wagner, subsite product marketing manager. Welcome, guys. How are you doing today? Thank you. Very well. Thank you. We're doing very well. Awesome. Awesome. It's glad. It's good to have you guys here. We're so glad to have you. So I want to get started by talking about your company was built for the speed service providers need for network deployment today. What are some of the biggest struggles in the telecommunications industry and why is 3GIS a viable solution? Uh, some of the biggest issues we've we've been seeing lately uh, have to do with, with getting uh, as-built records. Uh, as we do designs and plans uh, for fiber rollout, which is really, uh, really taking hold now. Um, th- there's always been an issue with getting the as-built uh, records back uh, so that we know exactly where things were put. Uh, th- they weren't always built as, de- as planned or as designed. Um, and we want to get those records so that we have very good, accurate records uh, of what was what has been constructed uh, and where our facilities are, are at. So that that's one of the biggest issues we've seen, uh, and it's it's very time consuming, uh, and everybody is so focused on rolling out the next fiber uh, that that they're not uh, they're not really focused on collecting the as built and updating the records to reflect what's being built. Mm-hmm. So, so focused on the future rather than the present. Is that what you would say? Well, it, it's always get the next dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't worry about the last, uh, the last few cents of, of the dollar we already got. So uh, it, it's always getting the next chunk. Uh, and there's, uh, there's resource constraints, as we're seeing all over the place uh, in every industry, but, but in particular, uh, fiber industry is seeing a big resource uh, constraint. And so you kind of have to prioritize where you put your resources and, and everybody wants to focus on getting that next, that next rollout. So um, that, that's the, that's been the focus and, and the shortage of resources has also caused an issue of getting these as builts updated. Definitely. And another one of the biggest issues within telecommunications is the demand for faster network construction. So why is it important to have accurate, real-time information to execute network projects? There's always areas where you tie into existing existing network. Uh, and, and there's always data that you need from from the past projects that, that, that created the backbone or the ring where you're tying in. And, and we found a number of situations uh, where there's not good as-built records uh, for, for the as-built, for, for the area we're trying to tie into. So in, in many cases, they didn't record the depths. Uh, and, and we did a, we did designs based on accessing a, a point in the, in the ring or the backbone. Um, to find out as we get out there, we do a plan, we do a design to find out that that point is not accessible either because it, it's it's not 
it's not in the location we thought it was, or uh, it's too deep. Uh, we can't access it uh, at that depth. And so then that causes delays. Uh, it causes a lot of project rework, even repermitting, uh, which which causes weeks of delays um, to the point that, that you have to go back and redesign everything and then go back and get it repermitted because we couldn't access the network where we thought we could uh, just because it, it, had we had good as-built data, we would have known to begin with that we couldn't access it at that point. Go ahead and design a, another point that, that we can take off from. So just a lot of project delays, a lot of extra cost. Uh, they've already, uh, they had already dispatched a, a construction crew. Now they got to redo that. Uh, and so there's just a lot of delays and a lot of wasted time. Absolutely. And your equipment and technologies are applied to solve unseen problems in network construction. So how can collecting and using information eliminate costly delays and, and permit rework? Well, I, our system just records the data we get. Now, on the line with us is also Ditchwitch, who, who has some new technology uh, that, that, we, uh, that we want to be able to take advantage of. Uh, and a lot of that is, is technology that gives us the as-builts that, uh, that we can load uh, and then have access to that data. So I'll let Ditchwitch tell you about, about that. Yes, I would love to hear from them. How can collecting and using information eliminate costly delays and permit rework? I'll introduce myself. I'm Alex Wagner, uh, product manager here at Subsci Electronics. We do all the electronics uh, for the Ditchwitch organization. And, you know, going to what Jerry said, uh, we want to provide not only Jerry the solutions he's asking for, but, but make it easier and simpler for the customers as well. As Jerry kind of alluded to, you know, it sounds like they're leaving money on the table to, trying to get to the next job. And we want to make sure that, you know, they don't leave any money there on the table if they don't have to. So in order to do that, we want to make it as simple as possible. And we actually just released a brand new tracking system, which uh, tracks the board, and creates that as built Jerry was referencing, um, showing where the, the board is located through uh, GIS or, or GPS coordinates, as well as giving uh, depth information so that Jerry's group knows where that, that depth is, where they uh, intersected their start and exit points, and then uh, so they can have that accurate information to go out there and, and cause as much, or excuse me, the littlest amount of rework possible. Um, so with our that newest tracker we just released, it, it has an integrated GPS on board so that the cu customers don't even have to purchase an external GPS device. Uh, however, if they want to, the product also allows them to connect to an external GPS, GPS device of their choosing. And then it captures those GPS coordinates uh, at the end of each rod as long as they, they're logging that information. And then it simply pulls to an app on their cellular device, whether it be iOS or Android. And then they can simply email that information to Jerry and his team. Jerry and his team then are able to just take that information, upload it directly into their GIS portal, and have that information live uh, and up to date uh, once, once they're ready to use it. Amazing. 
My next question is revolving around how telecommunication network projects have various methods for fiber installation. So boring, trenching, or micro-trenching. And there are unseen hazards that can delay and even stop the project using any of these methods. So how can integrating GIS reduce risks and costs in that regard? So there are a number of ways uh, that, that we look to deploy fiber networks. Um, and, and typically we look to do the fastest and the cheapest, which is aerial. Um, but with so much fiber being rolled out lately, uh, th there's been a there's been a tremendous rush to the poles to uh, to use up. And in fact, for the most part, uh, especially in, in major cities, the pole space, the telco space on the pole uh, has already been used up. Uh, and, and there's not not a lot of room left on the poles, uh, and we find in many cases that that we can't we can't access those poles. So we have to find alternative ways to get the network in there. Now sometimes we find an alternative path, um, but sometimes we have to go that path, and and that's where the uh, horizontal directional drilling uh, comes in, so where we we may rather than upgrade the poles, which is very expensive, uh, decide that we can we can bore in uh, a stretch where we would have to upgrade every pole. We can bore that in much quicker, uh, much cheaper. And so we, we, wanna, we wanna be able to do that, um, but at the same time, we wanna get good as-built records uh, so that we know exactly where the, the network is, uh, how we can access it, what the depth is, uh, and and as I was saying before, there's many cases we don't get that data back. And typically, if if the if the bore starts and ends uh, at the point we design it, um, we don't ever get any any data back. Uh, they say we started, we ended, uh, and that way we know uh, we know where it started, we know where it ended, and we don't get the actual path that the uh, that the bore took. And we, we've actually incurred uh, fiber cuts in, in areas where they deviated in the bore, uh, they deviated from the plan. And they didn't necessarily go under the road as the current road existed, uh, but in many cases they come back and they widen the roads. Uh, and when they widen, widen the roads, they, they look on the existing plans and they say, oh, well, that's, this cable is far outside when in actuality, they actually board to the point where they're actually grading the road and we get fiber cuts uh, because the the cable wasn't where it was designed and planned to be. We didn't get any updates. And, and so this kind of information that, that, that Alex was talking about is exactly the, the kind of data that we would need and could use to update the plan so that we would know going forward that Yes, there is a cable in, in that area, uh, and we need to go and, uh, and relocate it uh, before they start grading the roads. So that, those are some of the issues we run into. Uh, it's just a number of things that we run into that, that we want to try to make it much easier for, for the, the companies, the construction companies, to, to upload that, that as-built data uh, so that they'll do it. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of manpower to do it. 
So we know that assuming and drilling to the standard depth can delay a project. And since 2017, horizontal directional drilling has increasingly been used and for good reason. And HDD makes for easy fiber installation with minimal cleanup. So what are some other standard practices that we should, the average user or installation should be aware of? I'm Jeff Davis, uh, the product marketing manager on the HDD side. So um, a handful of my products fall in this wheelhouse for the fiber market. So the question again was, what are the obstacles? Um, you're asking what are the obstacles that on the HDD side of what the, the crews could encounter while doing the boring? Is that correct? Best things to be aware of, things that you should keep top of mind and common obstacles, like you said, yes. Yeah. So... In a setup on the bore, on the on the job side of a bore path, you know, when plans are laid out, when the plans are built, things can change during when some of the plans are built. Or even when the plans are built, there's obstacles in the ground that people don't even know that, that exist. Um, old abandoned utilities are one common uh, piece to it. Uh, there's, there's several of that in the ground. A lot of stormwater drainage pipes that uh, that we encounter and in the in a lot of the struggles on all this is no one knows the depths of some of it so that that's where a lot of obstacles on these job sites it it gets a little difficult because of not knowing that 100 percent accurate depths and when these uh these jobs are laid out you know they're they have specifications on depths that the new lines have to be laid so when they are out on these job sites and they're working and they start encountering these other obstacles, that, that's what causes some issues in the boring industry on how they put this product in the ground. And sometimes that, that causes them to deviate from the plan or get deeper or even shallower or outside the boundaries left or right due to the fact of these, these hidden obstacles of abandoned product, not knowing a certain sewer line, um, and, and of course, there's always, oh, well, we didn't know that that power line was there. No one knew it was there. That, that kind of stuff happens all the time. And these crews have to encounter this and be aware of it. Um, so it's, it's important. It falls back to inspections of the job site, subside electronics as in utility locators that we do offer today that these guys sometimes need to do their own type of uh, utility inspection on that forepath themselves to helping to help them understand what's in the ground. Yeah, and I'll, I'll pick it up from there, Jeff. And uh, it, just like Jeff mentioned, so Subsite also produces utility locators, and a lot of the, the 811 and one-call guys use our products to locate in the ground. However, regionally, it's not always required for those 811 guys to, to label depths. Uh, when they're locating a job site prior to excavation. Uh, so it, we do recommend for crews to carry uh, a utility guard or one of our utility locators on the job as well. Uh, because one of the things we, we try to push our customers never to do is don't assume. Don't assume that, that the locate's exactly on uh, when a one completes it. Uh, always verify. So, you know, that kind of brings in potholing and, and the other parts of, of the uh, uh, directional drilling job site as well. But uh, 
just going back to Jerry's point at the beginning, you know, and Jeff's, it's all about planning, proper planning. So proper planning is going to prevent a lot of headaches uh, down the road. So with that utility locator that we offer, it also has an integrated GPS in it as well. So uh, they're able to log those uh, locates. If they locate after 811 comes through, they want to verify they can locate and basically send the exact same information on what's already in the ground there to Jerry and his team. And that would also help justify the need to go deeper like Jeff was talking about. They can show where those lines in the ground are already. It can show that, hey, you know, we, we had this job saying we need to be four foot deep, but we already got fiber or, or power that's already in the ground that we're either paralleling or crossing that we need to go underneath and, and hit a certain clearance zone at that. So it would be able to help them justify uh, those deeper depths or, or shallower depths, depending on what's already on the ground. And, and then that just helps Jerry and his team complete the, the get all the necessary information for that job site so that uh, Jerry and his team can, can uh, when they go out there and hook up those network connections, they already know what's there because uh, the, the customer was able to, to locate that information and share it as well on top of the as-built information uh, after completing the board. Yeah. And what other additional significant advances have there been in your drill lineup that benefit fiber installation? The advancements in the drill lineup, all of, all of our advancements and all of our HD design has become leaps and bounds over what we've seen in the past. Um, you know, the key, the, the key point of the game here is, is to make money for the, com the contractors, to make to make their job easier. So simpl simplification, if I said that right, simplification of operation of the drill is a key piece uh, to this game. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, and, and making it easier, more friendly, and more versatile for our operators to use. Um, you know, um, versatility is very important. So about three to four years ago, uh, we decided to set on a HDD vision on the HDD platform of our directional drills and start building our drills from that point on um, to be more common, more um, versatile in the industry and have majority of commonality components. And one key piece of it was the operator's platform. Where you have multiple units and you have multiple operators, these guys can go from one machine to another machine and be able to jump in and sit in that seat and operate that drill with very little bit of time of training is key. Again, it's it's time is money and speed. So having the having multiple units that have commonality controls and uh, gives your contractor the ability to be have less time training and more time drilling and putting product in the ground puts money in his pocket. So that's key to the whole piece here. And so the advancements in technology you know, of, of our product line have come a long ways to making everything more user-friendly, more versatile, and easier to operate. So, in, in with our lineup and our HDD drills of our all-terrain systems, with these fiber projects, that they weigh very, very heavy in these projects. Um, not every soil conditions in the industry are the same. Not, they're not all soft. 
You know, you just can't go in there and just jump in there and drill bore and simple and easy anymore. You do encounter very, very hard rock formations. And, you know, fiber projects, they still they still have to go on no matter what kind of ground conditions you're in. So in our HDE lineup with the ditch switch all-terrain systems, we have the capabilities to jump in there with our mid-sized drill, with our newest newest one in the product, so the product lineup today is an AT32. Um, big fiber project going on down in the Austin and San Antonio, San Antonio area of Texas. And our all-terrain systems have been working very heavily down there, putting fiber in the ground, even in your rural areas, in those city rural, not in the city areas, for the fact that they're mid-sized drills, you know, they can, you don't have to shut down a whole lane of traffic and you can set off to the side of that and keep traffic flowing and still continue to drill and drill in these harder conditions that these that the fiber has to go in the ground with. You can't get it done with conventional dirt drilling machines. You know, you're going to have to use some of these machines that can drill in all-terrain soil. So um, the ditch switch all-terrain system has been a big key player in the fiber projects across the U.S. and in international markets. Wow. Yeah. And when a new network is built, it has to tie into an existing network or backbone. And not all existing network infrastructure was documented or modeled in the same way using the same data, for example, geodata. So why has geodata been adopted to document the network location? So as I was saying before in the example, there's many cases we need to tie into existing network. And it's not always an existing manhole or handhole. Uh, sometimes it's mid-span. Uh, and and knowing the depths along the way uh, gives us ideas of where it's possible to tie in. Uh, in my example I gave before, uh, we had planned to tie into a certain area, uh, and, and it was 18 feet deep at that point. And, and so not until we got out there did we find out that this is too deep to access, and, and our whole plan had to change. Um, it caused a lot of rework. It, it caused delays in, in getting that, that lateral installed and getting that customer service turned up. Uh, so nobody likes that. Uh, everybody wants to get it done on time and on schedule. Uh, it's just wasting a lot of time and, and money and effort. Had we known the depth, uh, and, and they had good reason for, for boring it 18 feet. I'm sure there was, there was some conflict, um, but we never knew it. We never got the data back. And, and so getting that data back and, and automating that process, uh, like Alex was talking about a while ago, they can provide us that data and we can we can consume that data and put it in the GIS so it will be available for the next job that comes along so that we would know uh, on the next job that we want to access that point that, hey, this is 18 feet deep. We can't access it here. We need to go find another way. Uh, and we would have done the initial design to access at another point uh, and not had that delay uh, in the beginning. So that's just some of the areas. Uh, plus, we want to automate the the update of that data. We want to uh, we want to take as many hands out as we can. Uh, as I said before, there's a lot of resource constraints. Um, Typically, there, there's a 10% holdback to get the as-built updated. Um, but that 10% doesn't, it, when, you're, 
when you're restrained with resources, you really want to get the next 90%. Uh, since you have to prioritize where you put resources, you want to get the next 90% uh, rather than the 10%. So you have to prioritize that. Um, when really you want to get the 10% too, and the service provider wants to get the as-built data uh, so they know what network is there and where it's at and all the exact installation uh, information that, that you can get. So if we can automate that, we can take a lot of hands out of it uh, and, and automate the process and make it much easier for the, the construction uh, companies to, to update it. Definitely. What technologies are we using today to capture locating and GIS information? And how does that assist customers with existing infrastructure? Yeah, so like I mentioned, really by one of the key things we've done here at Subsite is add those GPS devices on our products. That right there makes it simple. But then uh, Jerry's team isn't relying on the contractor or customer to go out and purchase a third-party GPS device or spend the extra money. Our products come with that GPS device integrated within them, uh, pretty much at no extra charge. Uh, and then as they're going through, they're able to log that information. It's as simple as logging. And like I mentioned, that new tracker we're releasing, or that we just recently released, the Marksman, it, it allows you to see your logging information live on the screen as you're doing it. Uh, a lot of old timers like, you know, writing down their information, their depth, their pitch, their roll information at every at the end of every rod. Well, now that information shows on the screen live, shows their last rod information. So we're... Like Jeff said, with what they're doing on the drill side, we're doing the same thing with the electronics. We're trying to simplify the user experience. Uh, so between our locators, which allow the, the, uh, the contractor to, to verify locates, to verify depths of those locates, uh, but also on our trackers. So as they're doing the as-built, uh, they're able to capture those GPS coordinates as well as the depth, like Jerry's talking about, because why would you leave that 10% on the table when it's as simple as once the job's complete, you pull out your cell phone, your Bluetooth connected, and you upload it. Then it's as simple as sending an email while you're on the road, and there's your 10%, right? So, I, I, you know, we want to emphasize the fact that it's, it's simple to use. The products have the tools you need. There's no more reason to leave that 10% on the table. Yeah, jumping back to the as-builds, collecting and providing the data from the actual field construction, what is the impact to the service provider if the as-built data is not complete or delayed? So the service provider really wants to know near real time uh, when, the, when the construction is completed uh, and when the service is turned up. Uh, in many cases, they're building rings or backbone. Uh, where if they know uh, when that service is turned up or when, when that line is installed and when it's available, uh, there's a lot of times they, they want to do marketing along that path uh, to pick up new customers. Uh, and as soon as they know, uh, even even before they, they turn it up, they, they would like to know. Uh, but as soon as it's turned up, they want to start actively marketing to other customers potential customers along that path um, to be able to pick those up as well. Uh, because there's a, there's a many cases that, that these backbone networks, uh, they run many miles. 
and so they pass a lot of potential customers to get to the point they're designing to. And, and so it's just a lot of uh, potential revenue that they want to be able to get access to uh, and start start uh, marketing to those people. How else does the financial payment model provide incentives for the construction companies to provide complete and accurate information? The biggest part was that that, that 10% retainage. Uh, the, the service providers, they typically hold back 10%, maybe more, maybe a little less. Uh, but, but there's a certain retainage they have uh, for every job until they get the as-builts completed. Uh, and, and like I said, the, the, the resource constraints have really caused construction companies to, to really start prioritizing where they put resources. And, and always the next 90% job uh, is always more money. Um, but it's not getting the, the job completed. Uh, it's not letting the service provider know that it's turned up as well as it's not completing the project. And there's 10% uh, money hanging out there that, uh, that the construction company would like to get as well. And, and so our, our, our goal here is to automate that process uh, of updates so that they're more likely to get it done. We can take, uh, take a lot of the manual person efforts uh, out of the out of the uh, the cycle here, uh, and make it much much quicker and faster for them to get that done and get that last ten percent. Yeah, yeah, and that ties in perfectly to my last question, which is, how does technology, in the biggest ways, augment the human effort in these projects? Yeah, uh, really, like I mentioned, we we focus heavily on the user experience, so. When we're talking about augmenting it, you know, it, that's one of the benefits of, of uh, Jeff and his products, the HGU drills and, and my products, the electronics, being under the same roof is we're able to combine those uh, to really augment the, the user's whole experience. So whether they are out there locating, drilling, tracking, uh, or verifying, we have it all under one roof. So, uh, for instance, Jeff's new uh, ATJT32 has, like he mentioned, they, they updated the platform uh, to, to try to simplify the user experience and benefit that portion of the experience. But one of the way, things they did was they put one of our, our displays in there. So, if you operate a subsite tracker, you now can just sit in the cab without having to mag magnet mount a, a third display in there. The display is already built into it. So between that, all the different uh, user interfaces Jeff was talking about, how you can operate the drill uh, with different joystick options, as well as uh, our electronics products, we've worked hard on making sure that uh, the user interface is easy to use, easy to understand. In fact, our new tracker has multiple user interfaces for the users to choose from. Uh, we're aimed at trying to make the, the process as simple as possible for the customer. Make sure that, uh, you know, one of the things we hear, and Jerry touched on it as well, is resource constraints. So the least, the more simple we can make the product, the less training required, the faster companies are able to get up and get going uh, and get the job done. So. 
So if anyone would like to learn more about 3GIS and what you guys are doing, what is the best way for them to get involved, learn more, or get in contact with you? Uh, the best way is to, to look on our website, uh, www.3-gis.com. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of information about products we have, uh, as well as ways to contact us uh, to get more information uh, on this or any other technology we have. So for everyone at Ditchwitch, if people want to get in contact with you, learn more about your services, what is the best way for them to go about that? Okay, here at the Ditchwitch organization, there's several ways for uh, the end user and customers to uh, reach out to us. One is the subsite.com website. You can get out and do that. Uh, there's ditchwitch.com. And then also uh, in our organization, we have a dealer organization out there that's pretty much worldwide. Um, that customers can reach out to them in their local area to help them with uh, learn about products, learn about how to operate the products, and you know, working in the construction business on the inside, on the sides of underground construction. So that's the best ways to reach out and get more information from the Ditchwitch and Subside organization. Perfect. I want to thank everyone for joining us here at Fiberside Chat. We have had Jerry and all the guys at Ditchwitch. It's been an honor to talk to you and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>